This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. To the program, I'm Sean Drotar, Sandy Clough, Danny Bailey in the booth. And joining us is man who runs Mile High Sports, also the uh, host of You Bet Tonight. You can follow him on social at Nate Lundy. That would be, um, guess who? Nate Lundy, obviously. So welcome in, Nate. Having a who? chance to talk to you in a while about <laughs> uh, who? All the, the, the Where do you guys find NFL. these guests? Yeah, seriously. In your case, we just went a couple offices down. And just kind of asked if he had a minute. To oh, it's not my office. Talk I about just squatted there. Stuff. Oh, well, that was smart. I don't know. I, it could be Doug's. It was know. pretty clever. It was a good idea. Give it a shot. Finders keepers. Yeah, why guess. not? Why yeah. not? We'll see what happens. Why not? The NFL divisional round is kind of upon us here, and it's kind of interesting now because you, you can sort of separate the wheat from the chaff <laughs> now that the wild card's over. But we're also at a, a point where. You have a really good idea of who these teams are. Not only have you seen them throughout the entire regular season, but you've seen them perform in the playoff situation. And now we know who they pretty pretty much are. Now, from a betting standpoint, you might be thinking that makes things easier. Well, it might for you, but it also makes things easier for the books who can put the numbers exactly where they want to. So when you kind of approach this week, Nate, do you look more specifically at, at, at spreads? Do you look at over-unders? Or do you look at maybe player props as, as the way to maybe make things a little easier on yourself? Well, I'm looking at a few different things. First of all, I think um, this weekend is going to be um, all chalk. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think all the favorites are winning. Um, right now, if you were to do that, um, straight money line, no spreads, no nothing. If you were to parlay all four uh, of the favorites together, you're looking at plus 236. If you want to parlay those together, that's it's within, you know, five, six cents across the board for almost everybody. They've all got the lines set about the same. I think that um, Mahomes' uh, success in the divisional round comes to an end um, on Sunday night. Um, well, he's never played in the road before. In the yeah, he hasn't had to deal with it before. And and look, uh, it, it's, it's very difficult to bet against Mahomes. I'm not going to lie. Um, but... You can do plus 236 if you want to just take the straight chalk across the board. If you want Detroit to win, if you want San Francisco to win, if you want Baltimore to win, and then if you want Buffalo, and that becomes your final four. Now, if you are nervous because of the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes um, side of things, you can actually take take the Kansas City game out. and the rest of those three to go chalk is still plus odds. I don't it's hate it's that. plus 102. So uh, you talked about the strategy, Sean. I think as you start to have fewer and fewer games to select from, um, sometimes your value comes in short odds um, parlays, whether that is two or three legs or whether that's a same game parlay and you're looking for – um, a couple of things to be relatively simple. So I'll give you an example. Um, Detroit, uh, heavy favorite um, against yeah. uh, against Tampa. Yeah, sure, almost a touchdown. Uh, six and a half. Yeah, sitting at six and a half, which is which I would categorize in a playoff game as a heavy favorite. Oh yeah. Anything oh, that, right. it, anything more than three and a half, three, yeah. three and a half. Exactly. Um, and and the other two games, obviously the ones on Saturday are, are even more lopsided. They're sitting at nine or nine and a half, depending right. on the book that you're looking at. Right. But let's take Detroit for example. A way to be able to play that game and get yourself into some short plus odds. Um, David Montgomery is a touchdown machine for them. They get down to the goal line. That's who they want to use. As good as Jameer Gibbs is, David Montgomery is... He's the goal line guy. He is. He is a Marshawn Lynch type sure. of just hand him the ball, yeah. right? And just let him right. run dudes over. Right. Um, and that's what he has had success doing for Detroit all um, season long, and it's something that the Lions... Um, 
figured out that they could do, and, and frankly, something that the Bears didn't quite um, utilize him enough, in my opinion. The Bears also didn't get down within the five as often <laughs> yeah, as Detroit right, did. That's true. That. But if you take Detroit on the money line and David Montgomery for a touchdown, that's plus 150. That is a wow. nice, simple, two-leg, same-game parlay. There's nothing flashy about it. I want Detroit to win. Just a goal line plunge. And I want and one of their touchdowns. Exactly. <laughs> That's all you um, need. And, and, one, and part of the reason that I lean into this is, is a little bit historical. If you go back to the first half of the regular season, it was a way to be able to bet on the Philadelphia Eagles and get yourself into shorter odds, which was to take Jalen Hurts to have a rushing touchdown, you know, the brotherly shove, and he's going to yep. be across the line. And the Eagles on the money line, because frequently Philadelphia was a heavy favorite, especially when they were on the roll that they were at the beginning of the season. So when you find those heavy favorites, you try to find a player prop within that particular game that you can capitalize on or that you feel really good about. That is also, by the way, the way to be able to try to play something that has extremely heavy odds. So, Sean, I know you like to bet on baseball. Um a season and a half ago, Aaron Judge for a home run was minus odds because he was on such a tear. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, depending run. depending upon yeah, depending upon the book that you're looking at right now, um, Christian McCaffrey is upwards of minus four hundred, minus five hundred to score. It is some one of the most ridiculous touchdown lines I've ever seen. Well, there's a reason for that, is because chances are CMC is going to find the end zone. And so Either you, way, running, you know, well, or, receiving. running or receiving. Um, and it could be a goal line or it could be from 25 yards Absolutely. out because of his speed. Yep. So you want to find things you can pair that with in order to make that San Francisco um, matchup something that you can play. So you ask what I'm looking at. Um, the odds makers are good. I try to stay away from the spreads. If I am going to play spreads, I will alt them. I'll bring them down. Yeah, I like doing that too. Um you know, I, I, here's another great example. I told you guys that if you took the if you take the KC Buffalo game out, if you're a little nervous about that one, if you take all the money lines, you're looking at plus 102, right? If you were to take all three of those games and just say that each of those favorites has to win by a field goal, at least that's it. You just need a field goal minus two and a half. Well, that bumps it from plus 102 to plus 140. So it's just little ways that you can manipulate it and try to get yourself into a little bit more favorable territory. But I will tell you, if you're somebody that has bet the NFL over the course of the season, um, I've told you this even in, in you know week nine, but I'll tell you again here in the divisional round, which is don't get greedy, because you've got a lot fewer games to choose from now. And so the stat lines are set very well, and you don't have the option of trying to find something that's low-hanging fruit. The idea at times, too, because I was thinking, I looked at a couple of those player props in that, Detroit game that I thought was interesting. And then I went to the easy ones. I wasn't going for the backup running back in X many yards. Baker Mayfield's over under on touchdowns is one and a half. Mayfield's completed touchdowns, but the Lions also surrender a lot of touchdowns. Yes, they, they did. They yeah. surrendered. Uh, so does Tampa, by the way. Right. Yeah. But the presumption is the Lions would win. Tampa would be behind. Tampa yes. in a negative game script is likely to pass and the game gets out of hand and they and the Lions surrender. So even though I'm thinking that the Buccaneers will lose. For what sure. is essentially even money, Mayfield at the over one and a half touchdowns is at a minus 105, roughly, depending on where the book is. I look at that and think, okay, well, I, I can actually still, you're looking at some of those small parlays. If I'm not comfortable about a specific person scoring a touchdown, I could actually look at the Lions winning 
and the guy that's on the losing side still getting a couple touchdown passes so you can, because the Lions would be winning. So that's one way to look at it, and I don't disagree with it because you look for game script, um, mm-hmm. in particular for quarterback props and receiver props. Um, you look for game scripts. Um, here's, a, here's a flip I'll give you on how to play that. Take Mayfield um, and take Jordan Love, okay? Take them both to throw a pick. Yeah. You want to know what that is? Plus 155. Mm. Because of, again, game script, right? We know May- we know Baker has a tendency to sometimes They're look like Baker. They're both likely to yeah. be behind oh, yeah. and have to push. Right. Exactly. So there's, there's numbers you can look at where you can say they're going to be chasing, which is the fantasy football approach, right? I want a quarterback... I want a quarterback with a lot of yards because fantasy football doesn't care whether you win or not. Yeah. They just want a lot of yards. So in some cases, you want a quarterback that's going to be playing from behind a lot because then you know they're going to throw the ball. But that throwing that also means you run the risk of throwing the interception at the same time. So I really like the idea of Baker Mayfield to throw a pick in that game against Detroit. I just do. I, I just think it's going to happen. Could be, I mean, shoot, it could be a Hail Mary at the end of the half, right? right? right. I mean, it could exactly. be anything. Um I like him to throw a pick, but I also think that Jordan Love on the road in the Bay Area against the Niners oh, yeah. with that kind of pressure is going to likely run into the same kind of problem. Yeah, and I like Jordan Love. I've been pleasantly surprised, um, especially in, in, since they started two and five. You correct. really like it, yeah? But I still believe that there's a mistake to be made in there. You could be looking at the same thing with C.J. Stroud. You want to add him, oh, I, him in for I a pick? So. Feel free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now. You want to go to the other side of things? I think Josh Allen stays unblemished. Josh Which he Allen, was the other day. Josh Allen to not throw a pick is minus 105, whereas those other guys are up in the one, minus 160s, right. Okay, because it's likely that they're going to do it. Well, and Allen's yeah. been somewhat careless with the ball this year when it comes to picks. So I take Josh Allen to not throw a pick I, in this particular game, and some of it is because I just don't think Kansas City is going gonna, is gonna to have that is going to have that many opportunities. This is a this is a team that that basically averaged one interception every four games this year. KC is just not a team that takes the ball away from you in the secondary. Um, and so I think Josh Allen is smart enough. Um, I think this is Josh Allen's Super Bowl to finally get past Kansas City. Everything after this is gravy for him. And so I think he's going to try to play really smart. And I think that coaching staff is going to put him in that position. I want to ask you about something that I think will have an impact eh, maybe a little in Baltimore, but really only in Buffalo. And that's the weather. Yeah. And as you assess these various propositions, how much do you take the weather forecast into account? Uh, Assuming it'll be cold, but they're talking about some major kind of snowstorm coming in again to Buffalo. Right. Is there any way to benefit by properly adjusting for the probable weather circumstances listen, being severe? Listen to former players. Most okay. former players will tell you it is harder to play defense in that weather than it is to play offense. Um, and so I think that it, it becomes a challenge for a defense more than anything else. Um, I think there's an advantage to Buffalo because they just did it four days ago. Yeah. Um, yes, Kansas City was playing in the cold, one of the coldest kickoffs we've ever had. But there's a very big difference between cold, just, hey, it's cold, and, oh, by the way, it's, you know, 
blowing wind yeah, and it's sideways. The wind and it's, is the thing, right? I mean, Players will tell you that the wind is the yeah. thing. Um, and, I mean, look, if you've lived in Colorado long enough, all I want you to do is picture how different the weather can be on the east side of the tunnel from the west side of the tunnel. <laughs> Okay, like it's that simple sometimes that 2.25 or whatever it is, mile tunnel on 70. Sometimes that weather is so ridiculously different from one side to the other. And it's not always a temperature thing. It's that wind. It's the snow. It's things like that. Um, I think you do have to take it into account. Um, But it's it's why. But you think it helps Buffalo more? Than I believe it helps, it helps Buffalo. I do believe Buffalo's it. used to it. Yes. It's their stadium. And it's their I, climate. Not that I, Kansas City didn't have a little experience no, well, last no, week. No, no, Kansas City's a cold weather team too. They did, but I, I still, um, Kansas City's defense has um, uh, outperformed. I believe um, from what I expected and from what a lot of people expected. Sure. Um, out of that defense, I think that defense is going to struggle on Sunday night. I just do. It's a gut feel. Um, yeah, I and, think and Kansas Buffalo's City's defense just is trouble. Going offensively, mm-hmm. everything. I mean, this running back Cook. Yeah. Ever since he fumbled on the first play from scrimmage against the Broncos, he's played like a madman. Yeah. It's find find hot hands. Find hot hands that are going into the playoffs um, that way. It's no different than hot goaltending um, in the NHL. You yeah. know, sometimes you have a player and, and in truth, in my opinion, one of the be- most valuable things that you can have, um, is someone like a James Cook, like a, yeah. um, like a Christian McCaffrey, somebody that is a dual threat, someone yeah. that is a Swiss army knife, um, because that causes even more of a headache for the defense, um, trying to prepare for things like that. Um, keep an eye on, um, we were talking about some of the, the, the props or player props or things like that. Keep a very close eye on what happens um, in Baltimore at the tight end position. Okay. Um, They're talking about Mark Andrews. Houston, Houston is, statistically, Houston is the worst team against the tight end of this yeah. season. Yeah. Period. The worst. They give up an average of almost 67 yards a game to the tight end yeah. position. Almost seven catches. Yep. I don't care whether it is Andrews or Isaiah Likely. Yeah. <laughs> they are going they are going to feast. And remember, Isaiah Likely has three touchdowns in his last two games. Yep. Right. Including one where Huntley was his quarterback. Right. So <laughs> if he's if he's able to do that, and he had two the week prior when it was Lamar Jackson. So even if Andrews cannot play. Likely has five in his last five. Yeah. He's just right now he I mean, has that's, stepped that's up. Red zone Talk about a hot hand. Yeah. But that's, it's also it's that's a, a hot hand. It's a function of the way the Ravens and Harbaugh use that offense. Yeah. They take yeah. advantage of the tight oh, end because of the running threat that Jackson mm-hmm. is. Yep. They can utilize a tight end in ways that other teams can't. It is why Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's a great athlete. Travis Kelsey's a fantastic tight end. He's also that because of the running threat that Mahomes poses on every play, sure. which then causes the opportunity for Kelsey to get open. Yep. Mark Andrews is, in my opinion, a better tight end than Isaiah Likely, but Isaiah Likely has been able to be, to a certain extent, plug and play. So watch his props. Yeah. Pay attention to those things. And if Andrews is active, I probably will stay away from either one of them. I wouldn't touch either one. Because now I don't know where it's going to come. Does does Andrews go out there and then doesn't feel right and he only plays for a quarter and now he's gone? I stay away from those kinds of things. I understand rolling the dice, but this isn't fantasy. This is actual bets and actual totals, and you can't play them the same way. Right. That's an important part of it as well. I think when you look at these, 
uh, any of those situations because, you know, when you're talking about a guy coming back potentially may also be because you're just trying to add a little deception in there. You know, oh, shoot, it may yeah. very well be that Mark Andrews yeah. might might be a decoy, active, might play, but they're not really, yeah. it's not really so 100 percent. An they're just out there to decoy. So, yeah, it's, keep an eye on it's complicated. a guy like Isaiah likely. Let me share some numbers with you from the books on where the money is, because people always love. To right. This. Sometimes you follow the money. Sometimes uh, you stay yep. away from the money. Um, and I'm going to give you a couple of splits that are really fascinating. So remember, there's a very big difference between the number of bets and the amount of money. Right. Okay. Frequently, if you're talking about the bets, you're talking about the public. Yes. Because a $1 bet counts the same as in that bet. total right. as a $1,000 right. bet, right. right? But if you're following the money, and one of the things that I like to look for is when there's a massive discrepancy between the two. All right? And that's when we, by the way, if you hear those terms, when you hear you ticket and handle, that's what you're really talking about. You hear those sort yes. of gambling terms. That's yes. what they're really talking about. So if, you know, if if Sean and I each bet a dollar on a game and Sandy bets $10 on the game, there's three bets, right. but if Sandy's on the other side, you're looking at a much higher percentage of the handle. Yeah, to use 66% ticket and so $12 right. handle. Right. Let me go right. in order here for you real quick. Baltimore at home against Houston. It's 30% of the bets. 70% of the money is on Baltimore on the spread. 30% versus 70% of the money is wow. on Baltimore. So the Sharps are all about Baltimore. Um, in that one, so something to pay attention to. For San Francisco, not quite as dramatic, but 37% of the tickets, but 52% of the handle on San Francisco to take care of business against Tampa. 72% of the money is on Detroit. 65% of the money is on Buffalo. A couple of the other ones that I think are kind of interesting, they are expecting some scoring, in particular between Tampa and Detroit. Not a big surprise. 78% of the money is on the over, that over sitting at 50 and a half. Um, 49 and a half, 50 and a half, depending yeah. upon where you look. Um, and 64% of the money right now is on the over between Green Bay and San Francisco. So on the NFC side, the Sharps will tell you that they are expecting scoring and they're playing the over because you're looking at two-thirds, if not more, of the money is being played on the over. I'm, I'm surprised, honestly, that the that the over for that Packers and Niners game is the same and a little higher than even Detroit and Tampa. I'm yeah, a surprised by that. I'm a little bit surprised because I think what that what that is is that you're saying you have faith that Green Bay can score. Yeah. Not that I not question that, I, not that I, I question against that plus. defense. I question yeah. that one. I do too. That, that defense is going to be fresh. They didn't play last week. They've been inconsistent, but I think we'll see the good defense. Yes. This week. Yeah, I like that one as yeah. well. Uh, keep keep in mind, follow Nate on social media, at Nate Lundy. Uh, he's putting all those things together regularly, of course, on the social and uh, always transparent about it. So follow Nate for all the oh, latest yeah, last as week well. I was awful. Well, oh, my goodness. I went 3-12 last week. Yeah, we, I, I was get, terrible. I did that, too. That's, you know, whatever. But you got to own up to it. That's I the was, way you can uh, do it. I was, I was awful uh, last week. Well, then you're due, right? Wait, no, that's the gambler's no, fallacy. We, we don't say that. We don't, we don't play that game. <laughs> no uh, one's ever actually no due. due. That's not <laughs> a thing. We do not play that game. Nothing is, nothing is ever due. You ever walked by a roulette wheel and seen red? You know, 15 times in a row, and then red comes up again. Yeah, Don't yeah. talk to me yeah, about just due. because it eventually did the other way. That doesn't mean it was due. It's just probabilities for you. That's the way it works. Nate Lundy on social. Thanks, uh, Nate. Appreciate it. As always, guys. Happy to be here. All right. Thanks. Uh, so make sure you give Nate a follow for all of that, and of course, uh, Miley Sports as well. And uh, we will turn our attention well back to Boston, but this time for basketball, where the Nuggets, after losing to the Philadelphia 76ers, will then take on the best team 
in the league. The Boston Celtics talked about how the Avs and the Bruins are the two favorites to win the Cup, the Nuggets and the Celtics, the favorites to win the NBA title. Denver and Boston having a moment against each other. We'll talk about it next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Tomorrow night, the Denver Nuggets will take on the Boston Celtics in Boston, the second Boston team to visit the TD Garden in a row, two nights in a row. They get visitors from the Mile High City. The uh, By the way, the Avs uh, do trail the Bruins. We the faceoff was uh, just a little bit ago. I mean, just a little bit ago. They're only ten minutes into the game, Sandy. But it is two-one. Uh, yeah, two-one. Boston as it stands right now. The Bruins uh, scored forty-four seconds yeah. in uh, from David Pasternak, but we'll first keep you up to date uh, on that as well. Two-one Bruins in uh, in the first midway through. But the, the Nuggets come off of their loss against Philadelphia, in which they did not play poorly. Uh, Philadelphia is a very good team a very deep team and quite frankly right now a little deeper team than the nuggets are the nuggets starting five have no issue but the nuggets bench is something of concern the nuggets and the celtics are the two favorites to win the nba title as it stands in vegas both of them at a plus 750 the other teams nearby uh the bucks are uh, uh pardon me that's what they that was the uh, nhl numbers i gave you the nba numbers celtics at plus 320 nuggets right. plus 450 bucks 475 and then there's a huge gap which is what we talked about Yes, earlier this week, right? And then what did we say the fourth most likely team was? Eh, maybe the Clippers? That's who's next. Clippers at plus 900. The Sixers at plus 1,100. The Nuggets might beg to differ with that. The Suns at plus 1,300. And then, uh, in case you were curious how super teams are going, the Lakers are at plus 25, down behind a bunch of other teams. So they more or less agree with us. There, there are, depending on how you look at it, four to five real contenders. But Boston is the best of the best. Boston is, this is not a mistake, 20 and 0 at home this year. The Celtics have been phenomenal. And um, as a result, they've won 12 road games and are plus 12. There's your plus minus system Uh, uh, playing out. Boston plus 12, Minnesota plus 11. Then there's a drop off all the way down to plus seven. That would be Denver and the Knicks, plus six, Oklahoma City. And then Clippers, Milwaukee, and Miami all at plus five. Boy, that Spolster can coach. <laughs> uh, if Miami is in the middle of the pack in all of the key metrics, and they're plus five. Yeah, I, I mean, they're, what, five teams in basketball playing better than Miami's playing uh, right now. And uh, so, yes, you have clearly, uh, even at this moment, where the Nuggets are twenty and thirteen in the last thirty-three games, yeah. After the eight-one start, so it's kind of been—I won't call it sleepwalking, but maybe coasting just mm-hmm. a little bit a little. at twenty and thirteen in the last thirty-three games. But they're still one of the top three teams in basketball. So it, 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 
based on present form, we've got two of the three best teams in basketball with maybe Minnesota in the middle, and Minnesota looks very solid, and Minnesota had some uh, rather harsh lessons to learn last year in the playoffs when they played against the Nuggets, but they also didn't have uh, the the full services of, or any services of, of McDaniels and uh, Nas Reed. Right. And Nas Reed is, you know, it, Minnesota's not a great three-point shooting team, but Nas Reed coming off the bench is about as good a three-point shooter as there is coming off anybody's bench. Uh, in the entire NBA, even though he's a, a power player in other respects, but anyway, uh, th- this is this is the matchup: the the defending champions against probably the team, the team they should have faced in the finals last. Yes, year. and that's an interesting way of putting it. And keep in mind, by the way, that the the Celtics are getting this done. If you're not already a little bit unnerved by some of those numbers we gave you. The Celtics are getting this done uh, without Derek White, who has been hurt. Now, Christoph Porzingis returned to the lineup um, uh, against Toronto briefly, and uh, you know we will see where he stands uh, on Friday. But this is a team that has a lot of ability, a lot of depth. They have not been entirely healthy, and they're still cruising. And they get it done, uh, not surprisingly, even though they do score well, with defense. This is a team that uh, in the Celtics – that gives up 110.9 per game. The Nuggets score 116.3, so yeah. something's got to give. But here's the telltale number about that. It is the uh, 36.6 defensive rebounds per game that Boston pulls down. That's tops in the league, despite the fact this team does not have a rebounder averaging double digits in rebounds. They right. get it done as a group. But they have a lot of good rebounders. Right. You have Horford and, and Porzingis and, 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 and Jason and even, Tatum. even Brown is a good rebounder uh, for a guard. He's big, and he's willing to get in there and mix it up. And uh, Porzingis is, is skinny, but he's an excellent technique positional rebounders so yeah boston has everything they're the only team i think currently in the nba top five in offensive rating top five defensive rating uh there there's some top 10 teams in both offense and defense and the nuggets are pretty close to being one of those teams they're not quite there uh defensively but uh, i i think this game uh the nuggets get the extra day which I think on the road is important here. I think they'll be fresh. Uh, Boston's a little banged up. Uh, Boston's not going to go 41-0. and No. Nope. Even the 85-86 Celtics, celebrated by some as the greatest single-season team in NBA history, lost once at home. It happens. Um, I can't remember, though. They, they, I know they lost to Portland that year. The game may or may not have been in Hartford, though. They may not have lost a game in what was then the Boston Garden same building as uh, TD North, but uh, uh, different different floor. I mean, they still have the parquet, but it's a new yeah, parquet obviously. floor. It's not the old one. Well, there there are the dead spots. Dead spots. Right, right. The spots where you know where to bounce it and the other team doesn't. But if for the Well, night, there are dead spots. I don't even think the Celtics uh, know exactly. Doesn't seem to be. didn't know exactly where they were. This is a good floor, though. The... For the Nuggets here, like as I think you correctly put it, it's coasting. Yeah. How important is this game to them? What's important about this game to me? To me? Yeah. The bench held its own the other night. Okay. They did. 
However, for the season, and this is the big number as far as the Nuggets are concerned, when you look ahead to the playoffs, this has got to change. They are minus 7.6 per 100 possessions without Jokic in the lineup. Yeah. That is the disturbing number and, had, and will continue to be until they reverse it. And had be, that held, the Nuggets wouldn't have been champions. No, no, no. And they were basically... They, they were like they, this they were for a zero lot of in the year. playoffs, but for right. last year, for most for of the regular of the year, season, it was pretty close yeah. to that number. Uh, I don't know if it was quite as bad as that at this time last year, uh, but yes, minus 7.6 per 100 possessions. Uh, that's a significant difference. Uh, Christian Brown played well the other night, but generally this year's two point accuracy has dropped off. Mm-hmm. It has. Uh, he's hitting more free throws, and he's hitting 38% of his he's threes, which is fine. Uh, but, uh, you know, people talk about trades and so on. The tradable salary that's tied up with the starting five and Reggie Jackson almost precludes any significant Anything of significance. Move. It really They've does. They've got to get Strother healthy again. I have no idea how serious this knee injury is. He's been out for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, the Nuggets are taking the hockey approach. They're not really offering specifics as to a timetable uh, that we might well, we be had, able to calculate. We, yeah, we had uh, Ryan Blackburn on uh, yesterday, and he specifically did say that the Nuggets will probably have to look in the buyout market. Now, on the, on the bright side, yeah. they oh, are yeah. a team that's going to be very attractive to a candidate sure. that's been bought out. Because sure. generally that's veterans that are, you know, Looking for a new but team, he'd like to be able I'm to wrong, Ryan made one other point, too, about the type of guy they might bring in. Mm-hmm. And we all talk about backup center, backup center, more relief for Jokic. How about a big wing? Yeah. <laughs> a bigger wing than Christian Brown. Well, and I, I think Christian Brown gets mismatched. I think you could do that wings. either way, I think, because the Nuggets plan, I think, and it just hasn't materialized when they brought in Justin Holiday was for that kind of role. Yeah. And it just didn't, and it, it hasn't, hasn't worked really out. It really worked. And it's weird because, remember last year, the Reggie Jackson trade didn't seem to work out at all, well, even during it, the playoffs. Until and this all year. of a sudden this year, he's one of those guys. They're not in wait until next year. He isn't Bruce Brown. But he started a lot of games this year because Murray got hurt and missed basically the month of November. So you've almost got that same kind of idea where you know six guys are going to get starters minutes, give or take, one or two minutes. And then after that, it's kind of a guessing game from night to night. Will you get a lot out of Watson? Will you get less out of Brown? Could it be the reverse? The other night, I thought Watson was good in spots. Brown was pretty solid. Brown was a plus player in a game they lost by five the other night. So Brown was fine the other night. Now, with the way the Celtics are set up, I think Brown actually matches up fairly well against Boston and Boston's bench. Um, But uh, Boston does an awful lot of things well. And what they need from their bench is guys who are going to fill up the box score. 
with everything except turnovers. <laughs> you know, it, and and blocks, I guess. You know, that's that's a nice bonus to have from your bench, but you're not expecting uh, a lot of block shots to come off your bench. But but you want to see efficiency. Uh, you want to see activity. Uh, you want to see responsibility defensively and uh, decent rebounding numbers. And I think Brown is capable of giving you that. And I think the expectations for Brown this year were a little bit overblown. And I say that as maybe the president of the Christian Brown fan club. I just thought too many people were expecting Christian Brown to replace Bruce Brown. Yeah. And that wasn't ever good. And, and what he's been and, I, I think that's a big part of it, and I think it, you're, it's important. Of course, not to, Bruce Brown probably figures maybe I should have taken a little less. Maybe so, but not to pile on uh, Christian Brown by any stretch. But uh, because you can make the argument, and look, here, here's here's those numbers: uh, Christian Brown overall field goal percentage. He, he's played exactly four minutes per game more on average at this point than he did than he has last season. At this point, yeah, uh, yeah. At forty-two games in. But you know, last year he played fifteen point five. He's playing nineteen point five now. Yeah. He is shooting 3.5% lower, 49 to 46. That's not night and day difference. He no. is, however, 2.9% better at three. Yeah. His free throw percentage is up from 62.5 to 7.8. In only four minutes per game more, his rebounds have gone up 1.2. His assists have almost doubled from 0.8 to, to 1.5. Yeah. And everything else has remained constant. In other words, Christian Brown it's, is, it's is doing spin. what you mostly expect offensively young players to do. He has gotten incrementally better and more effective. And but I, I think but some the, of the minus but the expectation was people defense. were going to expect, and and the defense has has been wobbly. But I think some expectations on the offensive end, I think, have changed the focus. I mean, but, when he's guarding Laurie Markin, I mean, what, what well, are you expecting? Yeah. He's guarding a seven-footer. But I think Christian Brown has gotten better. But he's done what a, many rookies. He's gotten incrementally better. Yeah. He didn't make a quantum leap yeah. because he already kind of did that as a rookie. The idea that Christian Brown's going to become twice as good in his second year was probably never realistic. Right. He is better he is not night and day better. It's not as if he's a completely new guy. He's better. He's on the growth track that you'd expect from most players. The problem was the expectation because he so quickly went from a rookie to a contributor to now the yeah. second guy off the bench behind Bruce Brown. The indication was, wow, there's an NBA starter sitting right here that the Nuggets have on their bench. That might have been too hasty. He was much better defensively than almost any rookie turns out to be especially a non-center much better defensively and i think the expectations probably were greater on the defensive end that this is a guy defensive stopper and that had its roots in what happened last year and even during the playoffs a, a little bit when he would hold his own against stars right when he had the chance to play against them but they were never for extended periods of time and i think people perhaps myself included, got a little carried away with the defense. And I, I think teams are now not necessarily targeting him, but putting him into matchups, whereas last year maybe it was a little more random and the Nuggets could kind of pick their spots with him and who to put him on and for how long. And I think this year it's a little different, and he finds himself matched up against guys who are just physically – superior to him. Uh, I mean, the market, 
matchup. Jokic can't guard Markinen. Christian Brown can't guard Markinen. Peyton Watson, I don't know. Markinen's a seven-footer, and I, I'm just using that as an example. But you have people like, you know, Siakam's going to get more notice now that he's playing on a better team in Indiana, guys like that. And, you know, with Boston, uh, I I wouldn't want to see him matched up against Tatum necessarily. <laughs> I, I don't know who can well, guard him. We'll find out what the Nuggets do, what Michael Malone does as well tomorrow when the Nuggets take on the Celtics at 5.30. That will be 5.30 in Denver. Uh, that game will be yep. on ESPN. We'll have uh, Vinny uh-huh. Benedetto of the Denver Gazette, who's on that trip, join us Good. right before that game begins to break it all down. But there is big college basketball tonight in Boulder, and it starts a run of really big college basketball along the front range. Some great times to be a college basketball fan in Colorado. We'll break it down for you next on Miley Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Up in Boulder tonight, a uh, big college basketball game will be broadcast over on FS1 830 tip for starting off a run up in Boulder as well as the Buffaloes will take on the Oregon Ducks, Oregon 13 and 3. The Buffs find themselves with a record maybe maybe even a little a little disappointing at 12 and 5. Yeah. To start I think off. So. And, and it feels bit, like a game that you'd like to definitely get at home. The conference start bad. I mean, Oregon is 5 and 0 oh in, in the Pac 12. The Buffaloes 3 and 3. It's it's been a really bumpy beginning of the of the year for them. Arizona the State is a bit of a surprise. Oregon is actually the big surprise and maybe we shouldn't be surprised cuz Dana Altman's a terrific coach. They're 13 and 3, 5 and 0 oh in the league. And you look at CU's three and three, and you're saying, boy, uh, it shouldn't be any worse than four and two. It really shouldn't be. The, the cow loss is bad loss. You, you can't lose the cow uh, when you have a huge lead, double digit lead at any point during the game, and you let it slip away. You don't guard anybody. Uh, in the second half, they had. Uh, a 30-point score in that game. They scored 82 points overall. It's way too many to give up. And the Buffs were fully equipped, healthy for that game. And Williams and De Silva played well, at least on the offensive end. Uh, they had no defensive answers. Now, uh, they looked terrible against USC in the first half the other night in Boulder. Came back one by ten, as they should have. And Tonight, I think is a pivotal game. I think I it, do too. It, I think if this they're going to be a factor in the Pac-12. They got to win tonight. You got to take Oregon out on your home floor, where they are undefeated this year. They're undefeated. They're as tough as ever on their home court. It would seem. And again, it's a fully healthy lineup. And um, I, I was very impressed by Cody Williams the other night. Uh, I thought the Silva played well uh, again. Uh, the CU weakness is that they don't have a point guard 
like they once did a few years back with Wright. They don't have a, mm-hmm. a pure distributor. Yeah. K.J. Simpson's a scorer. He is. Uh, they, they can be, at times, mistake-prone, and uh, they, they've got to be, if not dominant, then in control on the boards. There's no reason they shouldn't be. They're not a small team. Uh, I do like uh, what I'm seeing from the big guy, Lampkin, mm-hmm. uh, who had Todd Boyle on uh, about a month ago. Yeah. And Tad was talking, talking about, about, the, how, about how, how he's getting better getting and better. He's getting healthier. He's getting better. Um, he reminds me of Batty a little but, bit. Yeah, I can see that. Because uh, yeah, he's got that joy about mm-hmm. his uh, uh, approach to the game. Uh, I think he's feeling better, uh, finishing a little better around the basket. Um, it needs to be a defensive factor, but see, he's got plenty of height, and I, I think tonight, uh, you know, it'll be a packed house, national TV, and I, I think to get up there with the teams ahead of him, which are basically. Um, Arizona, Stanford, Arizona State, and Oregon. This is must win. You got to beat Arizona State at home. You got. I, I, I don't know if they have Arizona State at home on the schedule, but you definitely have to win your home games. And it doesn't matter who you're playing. You got to win at home. And you know they'll worry about the road again when they get back on the road. But these, uh, what is it? Oregon, Oregon State. Yep. Next to uh, Nate Oregon Lundy's, State's uh, Nate Lundy's Oregon, Oregon State yeah, Beavers Oregon come to State town State. on Saturday. See, he wasn't in his studio, so yeah. it's okay to say that. Yeah, they, he knows that. He knows that they're, <laughs> they're terrible. He knows they're terrible. The the uh, that's a it is. You're right. It's a big game. And then uh, tomorrow, by the way, uh, we'll, we'll first let's zip up to Fort Collins real quick. Yeah, where the Rams have dropped out of the rankings. However, yeah. in receiving votes in both polls, they would be 26th <laughs> if it had gone that far down. So it's not as if uh, there's there's a lot of disrespect. But the beginning of the conference play has been tough for them too. Well, two they're they're actually uh, tied for. Sixth, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a little disappointing that, they, that they're two and two. Now, the two losses came to Utah State and Boise State. Uh, and, again, they were, um, I believe, road games, both of them. Boise State was for sure. Yep. I think they, Utah State these was were, uh, So, again, they're a good team They at were home, both road games. Although yeah. I must say uh, it took, in regulation, a shot by Stevens with seconds left to tie and force overtime. And they, they pretty much rolled in overtime. But they shouldn't have been in trouble. But I think those two losses and then having to go to overtime, that was enough to convince the the voters. But now they have a big opportunity here because they do take on UNLV tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, they'll be at home. UNLV and also. They've had a little break. Two and two in the yeah. conference. But a winning but a winning record for the for the Rebels, nine and seven. And then they will get uh, next Wednesday, they go to Nevada. But the important part when you're talking about uh, Colorado State is the eyeballs. Both of those games are tomorrow night on FS1 and then next yes. Wednesday on FS1. So right. an opportunity to show out right. in front of a big audiences and, and make a difference there. You but, know who's highest in the standings in its league among the locals? It's DU. DU. Right. Right. Uh, uh, third in the summit. Tied for third at 2-1, at and 11-7 and seven overall. And there's some people who believe that this will be the year that DU wins the postseason tournament in the summit and gets the automatic bid. Tommy Bruner, by the way, for the Pioneers, and I'm glad you brought that up, is averaging 25.4 points a game. That leads all 
of men's D1 college basketball. 300 what? 300, yeah, I think it's almost 400 teams now. But yes, Tommy Bruner of the Pioneers is the nation's leading scorer at 24 and a half. Now the, 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 and he's the great. He, he really is. Bunch, he's, he's, he's a seasoned player who can shoot the lights out. Yeah. On Friday as well in Boulder, we have that game, big game up in Fort Collins, but there will be one in Boulder too, and it will set history for the Buffaloes because uh, what a weekend, as we talked about up, coming up here. The number three, that's right, number three yeah. Colorado women's basketball team will be taking on number five UCLA on Friday. Mm-hmm. That will be the first ever top five matchup of basketball teams in Boulder, men or women, that have ever been played. Isn't that something? That's a big deal. And then it'll come real close again because on Sunday, Southern Cal comes to town and they're ranked sixth. So for CU, there's two ways to look at this. High risk, but boy, in in back-to-back games, if you're the number three team in the country, you just knocked off number eight Stanford, and then you beat number five and number six, you belong. You, uh, that that top three ranking is legit. you could be a Final Four team. Yeah. You, you yes. certainly could be a Final Four team. And uh, I don't believe that's ever happened uh, for CU women. Uh, I, I don't believe they got, no, I don't the believe men. The, men, the, the men actually did the back in 1940. Made, made it to, yeah, right. to, yep, in 1940, they did make it to the Final Four. Diff, totally different structure, different tournaments. That, that NCAA even, wasn't quite no, as it big. It preceded back then. the current tournament. It was, I think it was the NIT back then. You know, yeah. so it's, no, that, the NIT was the big tournament. Yeah, but I mean, this is, uh, yeah, you'd be talking about high water mark, but I mean, what an opportunity for the the University yep. of Colorado women's team to make a, a mind-bending statement, especially when you figure that over the weekend, you know, some of the other, there's only two teams ahead of them, but, you know, teams can lose. That's how they play the games here. In Boulder, the women have been, relatively speaking, better than the men before. Mm-hmm. Boy. It's actually not even has been that how common, many, but, but not this. How many times not have the UCLA the women been better than the men, and they are this year, without a doubt. And USC with a losing record mm-hmm. uh, for the men, and the women are quite a bit better at USC as well than the men. So the, these are actually um, more attractive games for the women playing against UCLA and USC than the men playing against UCLA or USC. Deep, talented, fun yeah. team, and they are expecting a, now a sellout tomorrow night. As, well, as, why mean, not? certainly should be. So you have back-to-back sellouts, game. and that may also be a record. Yeah, the for the men's and the women's back-to-back. Men back. one night, women next night, and they sell out for College both. basketball heating up in the Rocky Mountain region. Uh, hockey needs to warm up real fast. The Avs down 3-1 to the Bruins after one oh. period. We'll check on that when we get back oh, tomorrow. Okay. Thanks to Nate Lundy for joining us. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth for making everything work. But uh, we will be back tomorrow to break down again. Another NFL weekend of Football Friday upon us. But the Nuggets will also be in Boston to take on the Celtics. We'll talk about that as well. We'll be back tomorrow. You don't have to go anywhere. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Thanks for listening to My Life Sports. I could see